0: Folks, you're listening to The Plunge, where we bring you the best of the depths of our American cultural cesspool. Don't forget to follow Plunge underscore podcast on Twitter, rate and review the show on iTunes and send it to your friends, colleagues, family members, enemies, Prominent politicians, studio executives, anyone who you think could benefit from having our dank insights broadcasted directly to their favorite device. Today's show is jam-packed, we have quick hits on Rex Tillerson and Elon Musk, terrible takes about global warming and Donald Trump Jr.'s divorce, and we're talking about the young Karl Marx and some rare sports coverage in the pop culture corner. Our main story is the Facebook Cambridge Analytica Revelations and the Guardian. So sit back, bask in the content, this is The Plunge. Sam, I've got a scenario for you. Are you ready? Lay it on me. You are the victim of some brutal ethnic food. And you're saddled on the toilet, and you see a tweet that says you're fired.
1: He didn't see the tweet. John Kelly came up to Rex Tillerson when Rex Tillerson was on the shitter uh, and told him, like, hey, buddy, don't take the trip this weekend. Uh, There's going to be a tweet on Monday.
0: (laughs) And he just had to, like, continue to just expel brown water out of his body and just know that he was going to be like shamed like and the fact that we know this information is so funny it came from john kelly himself
1: that's right one of the adults in the room um apparently he said this in an like off the record conversation with some reporters and they were a little surprised that he was telling them about like rex tillerson's bathroom time
0: apparently they were stunned that (laughs) even in an off-record setting kelly would say this (laughs) because tillerson doesn't officially leave the state department until the end of the month (laughs) yeah baby just hearing about the big oil tycoon just blasting fucking (laughs) where was he south africa
1: no he was here he was in the u.s john kelly came up to him but i think he had been on a trip elsewhere and had gotten food poisoning doing diplomatic work in africa so and he came back apparently had gotten sick was yeah shitting his brains out and then john kelly said hey buddy by the way (laughs) <laughs> this could be a tweet, and then so that Monday, the the Monday after we that all, weekend, he we all fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> that Monday after that weekend. Apparently, um, an aide came up to Tillerson and showed him the tweet. So he heard about the tweet by the third person. He heard about being fired from a third person party, sort from a third party fucking both times first when john kelly said hey buddy there's gonna be a tweet about you on monday and then on monday when there was the actual tweet and the age showed it to him
0: (laughs) so we actually have two nauseating tweets from this daily beast msnbc liberal asshole sam stein he said you're rex tillerson you're the most powerful man in the world's most powerful industry You decide to leave it all to perform an act of public service. You're tormented by your new boss and humiliated during your time at State. And then, on the way out, this is done to you. (laughs) So why is that statement just utter bullshit? Can we
1: dissect for a second? (laughs) Sam Stein, number one, I thought that his... Twitter picture was him standing up, but it's actually him shaking hands with Yao Ming, and Yao Ming makes him look like I a pathetic he was the dwarf. Guy. Yeah, I thought he was Yao <laughs> Ming. I thought he was the guy. It's like out of focus. You can't zoom in on these fucking thumbnails unless you like click on the shit. Why would I ever be clicking on Sam Stein's thumbnail? A guy who I didn't even care about at all until. He posted these dipshit tweets we're gonna talk about on the show today. But it's just go these people are the most naive dudes alive. Can you imagine the idea that like Rex Tillerson, this fucking, like he said, ex Exxon Mobil CEO, was the idea that he was in government for as an act of public service is instead of just being like a rapacious neoliberal asshole, is so fucking gullible and naive. <laughs> like, what are you smoking?
0: Not only that, but to act like we should have sympathy about the fact that john kelly revealed his like toilet situation why the fuck would anyone give a shit
1: about this guy's like embarrassment right also if he's so unbelievably powerful that he left, you know, the most powerful industry, uh, the highest seat in the most powerful industry, then it doesn't fucking matter if he's humiliated by Trump, right? Can't he just bounce back and get another fucking CEO or, like, executive job in that industry? Now that he was literally served as Secretary of State, you feel bad for this guy? Come on, people are getting deported under this administration.
0: Yeah, and blown up in Yemen.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, I can't stand... These oil tycoon business types getting any sort of fucking sympathy from the press. But the press, uh, they f- they fucking love these people.
1: And it's the idea of the adults in the room, right? And I think also, I mean, we talked about it when this first came out, but I think it's important to bring up that this is like a, it shows you how, you know, Gary Cohn just left the Goldman Sachs alum who was one of Trump's economic advisors and Trump called him a globalist on the way out uh, probably because he's Jewish but either way this battle between I guess like the military figures like John Kelly who you know was the one who told Rex Tillerson that he would be fired whilst upon the toilet and the idea that the United States would slide towards, like, military autocracy is becoming more and more of a reality every day. Even, like, liberals like Sam Stein and shit will are in love with these adults in the room. When they lose Rex Tillerson and Gary Cohn and the business adults in the room, they're going to turn to the military adults in the room. And then, I mean, if John Kelly becomes, like, Simo of the United States, I feel like people would think it was an improvement over Trump, which is, I don't know if that's true.
0: And apparently John Kelly's out the door soon, too, so...
1: That'll be awesome, actually. Him and Jeff Sessions, like, get them the fuck out of here. Get them the fuck out.
0: So, speaking of odious capitalists, Elon Musk decided that he had to get in on the comedy game because he's a Rick and Morty fan, and he's just so hilarious on Twitter with his, like normie has bullshit i hate him he's this a terrible man this like tony stark fantasy like shooting the rockets and the fact that he has poached comedy writers from the onion to work on a mysterious new comedy project yeah <laughs> the onion had a response but genuinely what do you feel about musk
1: i fucking hate Elon Musk, I hate his faux environmental hippie bullshit. It thinly disguises the fact that he is a glorified military contractor. That's all that SpaceX really fucking is. He's a shitload of government funding for this bullshit. People act like he's just the the salt, the spirit of the free market, but that I think is a, you know, far-fetched ideal even if that is your ideal. And either way, he apparently was trying to buy it in 2014 but like you said recently he hired two editors from the onion cole bolton and ben berkeley he poached them away from that satirical news site as well as three writers he also had this nauseating fucking quote he said it's pretty obvious that comedy is the next frontier after electric vehicles space exploration and brain computer interfaces don't know how anyone's not seeing this
2: you can't
0: Silicon Valley comedy, you fucking asshole. And, and so- also,
1: because he, he he's buying these, he's getting these Onion guys. This is the kind of satire he's going to put out as quotes just like that fucking one. He's going to be joking about, like, it's, you know, I may not be a genius, tee-hee, but uh, I could sure come up with the funny headline, right? <laughs> he's terrible. So, Clickhole in the
0: Onion made a few response Pieces to Elon Musk poaching the Onion's employees. Now, obviously, Clickhole and the Onion owned by the same company. One of them is as if it is written by Elon Musk, and it's uh, I did everything I could to buy Clickhole, but their editorial <laughs> integrity won out over my billion dollar offers, and I respect them even more for that by Elon Musk.
1: <laughs> That's savage. I love that shit. There was another one that he said, which is even more elemental almost. The headline, Elon Musk embarrassed after realizing he is proposing an idea for a thing that already exists. (laughs) That's like everyone in Silicon Valley. It's all like, oh, what if a juice machine, you could take, you could turn, you know, fruit into liquid. (laughs) The worst part is he tweeted
0: back at that article from The Onion to The Onion's account. Oh, you guys with three periods. And then he said, your cruel taunts cut me deep, deep, but I love you
1: too. Uh, uh, he's like an irony edge lord. Fuck this dude. Terrible. Also to have maybe a more salient critique of Elon Musk other than I find him annoying. I think also we should you know point out that he has apparently like ruthless labor standards. There's been... You know, as ruthlessly pro-anti-union, anti-union as anyone else in that kind of position that he's in. And what, there were people, like, stories about people falling asleep on the assembly floor at, like, Tesla plants and stuff. I mean, I don't think he's any less rapacious than anyone else just because he's probably a little more science adept.
0: Definitely someone who people should be way more critical of.
1: Yeah, it also kind of solidifies him as the other Jeff Bezos. Like, Jeff Bezos has the Washington Post and Elon Musk is like, well, I need a newspaper, but I can't be so overt about it as to actually buy just, like, a standard-ass newspaper. I've got to get a satire newspaper so people will know it's funny and shit like that. But to me, I mean, honestly, if you control satire, maybe you're a little more powerful than if you just control straight-ahead news media, right?
0: I don't know. The whole thing just feels and not to say that like corporate you know corporations don't play a huge role in much of the comedy that you know breaks through in our culture i mean probably most of it has something to do with you know rich guys money but elon musk is a piece of shit and... it's also
1: that's not a selling point of comedy right no like, you wouldn't be like oh i need to listen to the onion now or read the onion now that elon musk owns it <laughs>
0: No, it it has nothing to do with the, you know, umbrella fucking person funding it. Let's go into our next story here.
1: This is a Heartland story.
0: So, Neil Young heard some real criticism from Dana Loesch of the National Rifle Association. She hates Neil Young hates his album from 1995 mirror ball and she tweeted as recently as february 27th neil young still sucks and she compared young's voice to a dying cow fart and then neil said well i'm glad i got under her skin why doesn't she just shoot me
1: (laughs) salient question
0: I think we understand the sentiment there. Uh, if you're being criticized by an NRA member, there's always the thing, well, you know, you have your you have your arms, why don't you just blast me away, huh?
1: It's hilarious because they have to act the victim all the time, even as they are, like, ascendant. Like, they fucking, you know, NRA is, like, a dominant force in fucking lobbying and politics, but they still act like they're the fucking victims. I don't know how, I, if I believe Dana Loesch about hating Neil Young in his entirety, because Mirrorball is kind of a deep cut to pull out if you're gonna diss neil young right like i don't think many people have heard of that album
0: usually you're just saying that heart of gold sucks or, yeah you know something from those early albums i <laughs> i wonder how she knows that one
1: i get the feeling that she's a die hard neil young fan she's like really into it but she feels betrayed by his politics a little bit so she like turned on him sort of
0: Speaking of betrayal, Sam, this (laughs) was a huge story in American hate groups.
1: Yeah, it's time to get messy.
0: Matthew Heimbeck, a neo-Nazi leader, apparently there was a seduction plot and it led to the traditionalist workers' party breaking up. Sam, can you... Give me some details
1: here. Okay, so apparently this guy Matthew Heimbach is the chief of the traditionalist Worker Party, which is a Nazi party. I, I'm pretty sure it's the same one. You remember that terrible New York Times coverage of Tony Hovater? Uh That Richard yes. it Richard Fossett article, and it, it made it was a big scandal when this came like out. Like the Nazi
0: next door thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And be, be, I guess they people accused the paper of kind of making him seem less threatening or more average and, you know, normalizing the extreme hatred that obviously a neo-Nazi organization like the Traditionalist Worker Party has in its heart. But there was a police report that the Southern Poverty Law Center obtained, which is apparently how this was broken. Apparently, Heimbach and this other guy's wife named Jessica had an affair that lasted three months. So the other guy's wife, the other guy being Matt Parrott, who is a fellow party leader in the racist worker organization I just mentioned. And apparently once the affair was over, like Matt Parrott and Brooke Heimbach stood on a cardboard box outside of a trailer home and spied on there's significant others from the window. Like the the scorned lovers were like looking through a trailer window at them. (laughs) It's pretty fucking messy. And apparently Heimbach like choked Parrot out after Parrot confronted him. These are the two white supremacist leaders. It's really fucking greasy. And now Heimbach's free on Bond, but Parrot is out of the white supremacy game for good. And apparently he had a lot of clout in this organization. Fuck
0: this shit, man. I'm going home.
1: I was only in it for my wife. (laughs) Once you've taken my wife from me, all this Nazi stuff is just... I really didn't feel that strongly about it in the first place. How dare you cuck me? (laughs) That's true. He literally was cucked. He was watching through the window. He was cucked. Man, I guess there needs to be more, like, Nazi daytime TV. You know, like, Maury, like, paternity tests, but for fucking Nazis and shit.
0: I think if it led to more of these groups dissolving, why not?
1: Yeah, yeah, oh, I don't want to put Nazis on TV. I want to fuck them up, obviously. No one leaves Maury
0: feeling better. <laughs> Speaking of a Maury-esque story, we have the Don Jr. divorce.
1: Oh, Yeah well let's transition we're into terrible takes my personal favorite part of the show and we're gonna talk about another we told you we were gonna give you two not just one but two sam stein tweets so the second one is this hysterical plea that i'm gonna read because my name is also sam and i'm jewish i assume sam stein is jewish he might not be who knows really weird and upsetting to see folks acting gleeful at the Don Jr. divorce news it's his private life and he has five kids leave it alone I don't care how bad my ratio ends up <laughs> his ratio is actually not bad
0: the first response is Nick Weiger from Doughboys on mine he says I hope that greasy fuck sobs till he shits himself
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's first on mine too
0: anything that encapsulates how Sam and I feel about Donald Jr and we will give you plenty of reasons why this guy is a piece of fucking shit and people like Sam Stein who say how could they make fun <laughs> of Don Jr in this difficult time and Endless I love to all clutching I loved, uh, Alex Perrine had a take on it that was basically, I'm a child of divorce, and oftentimes it's very good yeah. for, you know,
1: it's really good for the family. The case for divorce, big time. Why wouldn't you want to liberate? Liberate these trumps! Get yeah, these there's like five of these kids, they, could, they would be doing better in, they, like... They're
0: young enough, they could still be, like, liberated from that awful family
1: yeah and as long as they 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 have to pay child support then those kids are set as long as they find some good parental figures but let's go into the details of their divorce apparently like this broke in page six and the sources were supposedly like friends of donald trump jr and they said that he appears to have changed recently and friends are concerned about him And the specific concerns were like that he was liking the tweets we talked about with the Stoneman Douglas high school shooting, one of them attacking a teen survivor. And then he liked another tweet, which is way more bewildering, linking antidepressants to mass murder. Because he loves Infowars shit. He's just a fucking chud. Yeah, he's a conspiracy guy. That's funny to me, because I'm like, his friends are concerned about his tweeting, but not his... This guy, like, hunts animals and shit, like lions, and, like, shows it off. I mean, he has such a weird inferiority complex. He has these... that The gross tweet about lactation we read on the show a couple episodes ago. He also has... He has the posture of a man who has never stood up straight once in his life. And he has reprehensible views. But the other factor, apparently, is that... Vanessa, his wife, is, they said, by nature, a very low-key person. Come on. You're in the Trump family? You you married into the Trump family? And you want
0: to be low-key? Like, you know who you are? Yeah, it's just outrageous. Well, <laughs> let's just, a little bit, when they met, she was introduced to John Jr. by Donald Trump himself at <laughs> a fashion show in 2003. And when they met again weeks later, she said, Wait, you're the one with the retarded dad. <laughs> yeah, because Donald Trump... That was in the New York fucking Times. That, that is a quote in the New York Times.
1: I know. And then Donald Trump Sr., apparently... The reason she said that was because he had, like, introduced Vanessa to Donald Trump Jr., like, repeatedly through the night. And she was like, "She he really thinks of, like, a different person each time. Or he's, like, senile or something.
0: You can tell by watching him on TV that he's fucking just brain dead just ogre but they got married in 05 what is this he got the ring for free for making himself available for promotional opportunities the only (laughs) guests in attendance at the proposal in a jersey mall were paparazzi and tv camera crews
1: (laughs) if they were not married in a jersey mall i would be fucking surprised which mall is it i bet it's one that is pretty fucking ramus
0: park (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like the Garden State Plaza. So Short Hills Mall, Short Hills Mall baby. It's that's where it's at. I just looked it up. It's in the Short Hills Mall in New Jersey. It's a landmark now. Go have the Donald Trump Jr. proposal experience. What
0: did you make of the liberal take that oh, they just had this clean divorce so that they could bury the story that came out on the same day that Robert Mueller was subpoenaing the Trump Organization.
1: I mean, Do you think that this was all a six-dimensional chess move
0: by no, the Trumps?
1: Uh, also, these these liberals are always not only reading intelligence but morals into the actions of the Trump family. I'm like, they don't fucking think like you. (laughs) They don't care. They're heinous. I just think it's preposterous to tie those things. I I don't think that things happen with the Trumps by design. I think they're just like animals and the first pleasure that they can gratify is going to lead them. That's what they're going to choose. And that will just determine their path.
0: And if it was amicable as has been suggested, or at least, like, somewhat mutual, the Vanessa Trump side wouldn't have hired a criminal defense attorney. Like, this or a, like this guy is, like, a criminal lawyer. Oh, my because God. Because she knows that Mueller is, like, getting all their fucking, like all their numbers.
1: Yeah, it does seem like she's kind of jumping ship for maybe, like, legal reasons, which is kind of shrewd on her part, but... Either way, the we don't really care about her so much as we care about Donald Trump J- Jr. and his preposterous affairs. There were some suggestive DMs, some Twitter DMs. Dan, go into some Twitter DMs for us.
0: So model Melissa Stetton posted a Twitter DM from Trump Jr. from November 2011, just one month after Vanessa gave birth to the couple's son, Tristan. <laughs> she said, surprised his marriage didn't work out since he was sending me DMs a month after his wife gave birth. Huh? Well, uh, so this was in response to a joke she tweeted about pulling a muscle, changing a tampon. Well, I'm getting <laughs> shit for f- the bacon comment. Glad I opted not to send the tweet asking for pics from your you are. Bathroom tweet last night, winky face. People need to chil and need to chill is one word. (laughs) All right,
1: all right, all right, all right, all right. I regret asking you. Thirsty
0: Donald Trump Jr. with a newborn son. Who is this other woman that he allegedly had an affair with, Aubrey O'Day?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, real fans of the mid-2000s will remember the show Making the Band with P. Diddy, the show where P. Diddy would transform the lives of these average singers and songwriters and turn them into world-striding colossuses. If only they would like walk to... What, didn't he like, make them walk to Queens... For I didn't like a, see this damn show. <laughs> for like an apple pie, this is a controversy. There was like a Chappelle show episode about it that he made one of the some of the contestants walk like preposterously far, like between boroughs. I think from like Manhattan to like Queens or to b- b- the Bronx. I can't remember exactly.
2: Which I did yesterday. Stadium. Y'all need to see New York. Y'all really ain't really get to see the city really.
1: Uh, I need that vehicle.
2: Yeah, I told you it's gonna be rough this okay. weekend. I want. I want. We get a vehicle home possibly. Stop. You could possibly I'm starving too. You know something? Mm-hmm. I want me a piece of cheesecake. <laughs> From you know where to get the cheesecake spot is at. I'm yeah. Telling you. yeah. Yeah, and y'all can walk from here, get the cheesecake, see the city, enjoy the sights, would you? Show them around. Take them over the Brooklyn Bridge, let that wind hit him off the water. See how y'all feel as a group. It's not about me trying to do a mean-spirited initiation hazing act to them. It's a bigger picture to it. Um, in the world of music, I got to get up every day and do a bunch of that I don't want to do. I got to bite my tongue and I got to do it with a smile on my face. <laughs> But I do want some cheesecake. So I'll see y'all in a little while. Take your time. Enjoy it. You ain't really got nothing else to do. Fred, you all right? Fred. Yeah, you all right? Fred. Yeah, I'm good. This dude must be crazy. Sooner or later, we gonna trash yeah. word are on if, if my cheesecake is in the least bit soft or brittle or not on point, your will go back. Somebody gonna quit. Somebody ain't got the heart, the stamina to be bad boy. Somebody ain't got the passion, the drive, the intensity to want it. Somebody's mental capacity breaks at a certain point. I need to see it now. I want to see it when I'm two million in. There's things in life that ain't gonna be fair, and this is one of them.
1: Dandy Kane was one of the bands that was formed by this show, making the band. And it's a girl group. And one of the members is Aubrey O'Day, who claims to have had an affair with Donald Trump Jr. in late 2011 when she was on The Celebrity Apprentice. Obviously, people who are on The Celebrity Apprentice aren't necessarily always, like, celebrities. So this lady qualifies. And this has been immortalized in this disgusting ballad that Aubrey O'Day wrote on her 2013 EP, Between Two Evils.
0: Let's play a little clip of that song. You can say it was
3: all a fucking fairy tale, or you can say it was real, but I need to know, and you know. Whatever the truth is, defines the reality of you and I forever. And I need to be able to define that before I can walk
4: away. (sighs) I thought it was forever at the time, but... Maybe I was
3: lying to myself. Is that what you want? You wanna you wanna believe that everything with me was a lie, a fantasy, and you want to go back and live in the life that you had have forever? <laughs>
1: So it's, like, a spoken word song directed to a fucking unidentified, like, male love interest.
0: Imagine fucking Donald Trump Jr. That would be miserable. Okay,
1: fucking him is one thing, but writing a song about it is totally different. Maybe it was a long-term challenge from, like, making the band, you know, Aubrey O'Day. He was like, I'll make all your dreams come true and you'll win. But in, like, 2011, you're gonna have to fuck Donald Trump Jr., (laughs) and then write a song about that that's the true test of an artist
0: so anything else on jr before we move on
1: nah but dandy kane still bangs shout out to that little tidbit
0: if we didn't convince you enough that sam stein's tweet about donald trump jr and having like sympathy for him in this difficult time for his family with his divorce (laughs) If we didn't convince you that that's utter bullshit, listen to Donald Trump Jr.'s finest tweet from June 22nd, 2012. At dinner with our greenskeeper who missed his sister's wedding to work, love loyalty, hopefully she'll have another someday,
1: winky face. The Dis- quote is ostensibly disgusting. what, like the greenskeeper, which sounds like a made-up position. It sounds like bud tender or something like that. The fucking the quote is ostensibly what the guy had to say to Donald Trump Jr. Like, oh, it's fine. I don't mind working and missing this momentous occasion in my fucking sister's well, life. We should
0: just have another wedding. I wanted to wipe your fucking nose. <sighs>
1: Yeah, that's from 2012. I mean, I think Donald Trump Jr.'s been nauseating on Twitter, but all these tweets coming up never cease to amaze me now that he is in this, like, public eye.
0: We are, I guess, a little late on this, but R.I.P. Stephen Hawking.
1: For sure. Stephen Hawking was a comrade. He's a big supporter of the National Health Service in the U.K., and he also memorably said that robots and artificial intelligence aren't bad, but capitalism is very bad.
0: <laughs> so, he's a scientist. I am not too familiar with his work. I know he achieved a lot despite a crippling illness that didn't allow him to really get out of the Yeah, ALS chair. to be specific. That was it. I, I didn't want to just name a random illness. I, I knew it was a... Uh something to do with the
1: (laughs) oh you're not gonna talk about like the the taxonomy of als dan
0: (laughs) (laughs) so why don't we talk about some of the worst things that people said online to tribute Stephen hawking because Apparently, his life meant nothing because he was in
1: a paralyzed position. These takes all kind of have the perverse conclusion that Stephen Hawking is maybe better off dead because he could ostensibly walk in the afterlife, which is preposterous because there is that video where he covers, like, a Monty Python song and he's, like, flying through the universe, but he's in his chair.
3: Whenever life gets you down, Mrs. Brown... And things seem hard or tough And people are stupid Obnoxious or death. And you feel that you've had Quite enough Just remember that you're standing On a planet that's evolving And revolving at 900 miles an hour That's orbiting at 19 miles a second So it's reckoned
1: He didn't Fucking care about being in a chair because you want to just like when he flies around the universe, that's how he pictures it. You don't need to be patronizing about it. But talking about patronizing, Mitchell Toy, who ostensibly makes cartoons on the internet, I've never heard of him, had the most widely shared terrible take on this. It was the caption is just hashtag RIP Stephen Hawking, and then the cartoon that he shared is of Stephen Hawking walking off into the stars. And you can tell from the perspective that he is walking away from the chair to which he was confined as a result of ALS. As if he is, as I said, better off fucking dead.
0: Reenacting the last scene of Ghost like he always wanted. <laughs>
1: Great A reference. But there are some other ones. I think the Gal Gadot had one that was widely shared, which I will read. Uh, I'll resist the urge to do a really patronizing Gal Gadot voice i mean anyway rest in peace dr hawking now you're free of any physical constraints your brilliance and wisdom will be cherished forever
0: <laughs> yeah gal really knows a lot about empowerment so i trust everything she
1: says yeah and then the last one i had was from at mask man 626 i don't know who how big this guy is This got this got like five thousand likes so big enough but it also says, it says goodbye, and then it says hashtag RIP Stephen Hawking. And it is a terrible like 64-bit image of Stephen Hawking floating up from his chair and like one of his shoes is falling off. As if I guess maybe the theme is that he's better off dead. The afterlife has summoned him out of his chair and he's walking, or at least he's better off than he was in the chair. <laughs> so tasteless and horrible. Try to work out that fucking ableist shit from your dialogue. But we've got to remember the good scientists like Stephen Hawking uh, because there are some shit scientists out there. And one of these shit scientists is Will Happer. Dan, this is kind of an obscure figure. Do you know about Will Happer? I am not familiar. I describe Will Happer as a military-grade climate denier. The 1%. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah he is or the i guess it's like yeah the, of the not what 99 percent of scientists are in agreement about like global warming he's yeah the one percent or whatever maybe it's three percent i forget the exact number that they s- trot out all the time but either way he's this weird fucking renegade physics professor at princeton he was a George H.W. Bush appointed him to the Department of Energy in the early 90s, you know, at towards the tail end of his own administration. He's kind of had some nice-ish things to say about Trump, especially for, like, an academic or someone in the scientific community. But more importantly, he has these bizarre hypotheses about—or not even a hypothesis, he thinks this is just true—about global warming. He thinks that it's natural, that it's not the result of increasing CO2, but— Beyond that, he also argues that having more CO2 is good for the earth because plants need CO2 to breathe.
0: <laughs> I'm not a scientist, but come You don't the, need to be <laughs> come the fuck on.
1: Yeah. You don't need to be a scientist to get into Will Happer's shit because I honestly can't believe a lot of the things he says come out of the, my- the mouth of a scientist. I, I honestly, if like an idiot on the street said this, I would think that guy was dumb. I can't believe that a scientist is saying this. It sounds like your, you know, cousin who hasn't thought about global warming at all, other than, you know, I don't believe in global warming because that's a way to own the libs or something. He wrote this insanely bad op ed in the Denver Post, which I guess is like a, you know, regional newspaper. It's called would albert einstein be a global warming s- skeptic yes
0: <laughs> a little historical fiction time
1: yeah baby <laughs> so this is part of a two-part series which is extremely corny it, one of them is argues that he would have been a climate skeptic that being will happer who we're going to go in on but the other was an article saying that he would not So this is supposed to be like the rebuttal to the obvious conclusion that anyone who knows anything about science, and probably someone who was as well plugged into the scientific community as Albert Einstein was at the time, if he was arrived today, he would probably agree the ring is real, like, I think. But either way, some of the quotes on this are obscenely funny. One of the best ones, he says, science, and especially a scientific topic as complicated as the Earth's climate, is never settled. No credible astronomer, for example, would ever say we know everything about the universe. As Einstein put it, we still do not know one thousandth of one percent of what nature has revealed to us.
0: So you're going to take a vague statement that has no bearing on any actual reality and use it to suggest that all scientific conclusions that point to this problem are... Oh, like of course, because we only know 1/1,000,000th one, one of the things that we it can't possibly be a, you know a conclusion that you can make. Is that yeah. how science works?
1: no it's like people who say that evolution is just a theory it's like yeah theory supported by a shitload of fucking evidence that's how science works you dumbass but there's another really funny one he said most importantly einstein would have paid close attention to how well the establishment theory of global warming agreed with experiment he famously stated no amount of experimentation can ever prove me right a single experiment can prove me wrong so the implication of that is that because scientists conduct experiments that support the idea of global warming that disproves it because clearly they're lying it's just dogma they're all coming up with the same results because they're all you know brainwashed (laughs) which like you said leads you to the conclusion that you should just not do science apparently (laughs) all right
0: this guy sucks (laughs)
1: yeah it's it's just like an anti epistemological argument to just the point of absurdity he's his whole point is just like we can never truly know, and it goes to show how impossible it is to prove a negative it's it's, it's a good read and will happer's fun to get into. He has a classic op ed that was in the Wall Street Journal in like twenty thirteen i want to say where he- it's it's called in defense of carbon dioxide and it just expounds on his idea that CO2 is actually good for the war- earth because of plants or something. It, it makes no sense. He also has been, like, rebuked by the, you know, Columbia Journalism Review, the American Physics Society. Greenpeace basically exposed him as a fucking quack. They got him in a sting. They posed as consultants for an oil company and then were like, can you write a report for us saying that global warming's not real? And he's like, sure. And then apparently there was some, like, weird finance issues with how he got paid for that work. So they were like, he's basically a fraud artist. <laughs> but it's funny to read sometimes
0: as any climate change denier is and let's check in with our social media at plunge underscore podcast on twitter please follow us and you can find out well i'll start with one that i found last week it was liz cheney defending torture against john mccain who said that gina haspel had to answer for her time involved in torturing detainees so liz cheney is dick cheney's daughter right yeah i believe so yeah so i essentially suggested that she tried lesbian daughter right yes that's right i think she should try waterboarding and then (laughs) see if it's appropriate to use on other people
1: that's a kind of speaking truth to power that we like to see on Twitter, especially from our own page. I saw one where Scott Adams, the fucking manic creator of, what, Dilbert, the yeah. terrible office humor comic strip. And uh, he's kind of like a hypnosis advocate now.
0: Yeah, very men's rights, red pill. He He's an extreme creep.
1: <laughs> he's definitely a creep. And... He has said, in a stunning repudiation of President Trump, voters in Pennsylvania have elected a tall white male with high testosterone. Also, blah, blah policies. And that's in reference to Connor Lamb, the uh, kind of like boring centrist who won, I guess, a Trump district in Pennsylvania with some union support. And uh, I, my response to that was like, damn, Scott Adams was going to find about about your fucking hormone levels. And then he's going to tweet about it
0: that argument about high testosterone about trump i think that is what fueled the anger over this new yorker cover in which trump is like nude at the podium and his like tits are just like flopping
1: the new yorker is outdoing itself with corny corny trump imagery
0: yeah but nude trump is funny because it's just like it just feels so close you know we're almost at that point You think we're gonna get Trump nudes soon? I don't know if that's what Stormy Daniels' lawyer was suggesting on uh, MSNBC. Is that stupid viral tweet suggested? But I think there might be some, there might be some texts and
1: images. I don't think we've ever had presidential nudes. I'm I'm down with presidential nudes. Why have we ever gotten presidential nudes before? We got nudes of everybody else. You're telling me JFK never sat for some nudes? Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's gotta be at least... There's, like, definitely a nude portrait of, like, U.S. Grant kicking around somewhere. (laughs)
0: Release the files. (laughs) Alright, main story this week, it's about Facebook. The fucking company is having a real whirlwind as we speak. Their stock is plummeting. Mark Zuckerberg is in hiding. And... (sighs) So let's start with this big article in The Guardian. So
1: what is this still-breaking story, Sam? So this story, The Guardian got one hell of a source. They got this guy, Christopher Wiley, who supposedly worked with Steve Bannon on the Cambridge Analytica fucking project, mapping, I guess, Facebook's psychological profiles for political use in an election
0: funded with millions of dollars of robert mercer the right-wing billionaire's money yeah
1: and robert mercer is actually a super terrifying and interesting figure he is a multi like billionaire hedge fund guy and he basically invented computer software that does trading for you rather than having a person do it, is my understanding of it. He's a brilliant computer scientist who made this, like, trading algorithm that has allowed his company, Renaissance Technologies, to be, like, you know, massively profitable. And he has this very, you know, he's one he's one of the Ayn Rand guys. He's very into, like, Atlas Shrugged and that trash. He thinks that you're basically, your worth as a human is kind of equivalent to what you can produce or what you are financially worth. So... Which is, you know, a conspicuous theory for the guy who invented a way to make money out of nothing to feel about the value of a human being. But obviously, this goes to show just kind of how deep and creepy this story is. There's a kind of a tie to the Russians in that there are contracts where Luke Oil was working with Cambridge Analytica on some of its like Facebook psychological profile mapping software. But Steve Bannon obviously was very interested in using, and Robert Mercer as well was interested about using this in favor of Trump, and it just kind of goes to show. I think the main thing I got out of it was that Facebook is if like it is dangerous as hell right now not just facebook but internet monopoly monopolies like tech monopolies are dangerous as hell right now
0: i attached a story from wired magazine it's way too long to go through it all it's a long feature about the two years of tumult inside facebook you know around the election and after and in one part of it And Inside Source suggested that Zuckerberg is like Lenny from Of Mice and Men, the mentally challenged, huge, strong character who
1: accidentally kills a woman. Spoiler alert, damn.
0: If you haven't read it by now. (laughs) Don't
1: read it, it's like the worst Steinbeck book ever, it fucking blows, I hate that book.
0: Regardless, think about that. If someone who works directly with him and knows him is calling him Lenny, saying that he has this strength that he doesn't know how to properly wield, think about what that means for all of us. It has wide-reaching implications. So... This Cambridge Analytica story, it's really, really important because this firm, with the help of this $15 million investment from Robert Mercer, tried to essentially give them data that could identify the personalities of American voters and
1: use that data to... Influence their behavior, right? By like providing them targeted propaganda or through those kinds of shitty Machiavelli machinations. And but what's interesting is actually that uh, the tie between fashion and culture in this. Chris Wiley was is a weird guy. He was like a high school dropout. It sounds like and from Canada, who then just kind of found himself in the right place at the right time and worked for these British guys in government and it's somewhere high up in british government and he was doing like a dissertation on fashion profiling creating psychological profiles of people for fashion purposes so something that's like relatively innocuous but steve bannon who chris wiley speaks weirdly highly of steve bannon was interested in the application of This to the culture wars because Steve Bannon is obsessed with the idea that politics are just downwind from culture. The idea that if you make shit about dumb culture wars like NFL protesters, then you take away from you know actual political policy, which is I think a pretty salient thing to you know zero in on. But I guess Christopher Wiley makes me think of like what you said about Lenny from of Mice and Men or Mark Zuckerberg not knowing his strength. Christopher Wiley was just impressed by the intellectual idea of creating this massive database mapping people's psychological profiles for fashion purposes and got in with the wrong crowd. And now it's kind of, I think, coming forward because he's realizing the damage that this has done and the implications that this has for our political process moving forward in, you know, electoral, liberal democracy, I guess.
0: So basically the firm harvested private info from – facebook of more than 50 million users without permission
1: right that was really interesting too they basically claimed that it was for research purposes not commercial or political i
0: I don't know when facebook comes back uh at them and says we didn't know which i think is the line that the company is using at this point legally i don't know do you think that's believable
1: maybe like mark zuckerberg didn't Personally, think about it often, but the company—it was no. They Wiley has receipts is a thing. It doesn't matter if they didn't know someone with enough discretion to act on behalf of the company fucking executed those contracts, right?
0: Right, and the breach allowed the company to exploit private social media activity of essentially the electorate, and that information was given back to help the Trump campaign. It's true. Which is just fucking crazy that Zuckerberg created this monster and still seems like he has these political ambitions.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is pretty damning. What I got from this is, like, you want to know who stole the election? (laughs) They weren't able to find as much about... They found, like, that the Luke Oil contracts, which obviously, like, Putin, probably someone who's the head of Luke Oil is going to be working closely with Putin because of the way that they're... Russian economy is vertically integrated, but at a certain level, I feel like we got a lot more dirt on Facebook than anybody else out of this story. I expected to read this finding the smoking gun of like, oh, Russia did the election or whatever, but I really got the fucking Facebook's fingerprints all over it from this. This also kind of highlights maybe some of the weakness of like liberal arguments that Facebook needs to crack down on fake news.
0: Yeah, the fake news problem obviously highly exaggerated i think one of the main takeaways from the cambridge analytica thing was that the data failed like it didn't yeah that's not what swayed the election that that's been pretty much agreed upon in all these stories what it did show is just this complete hijacking of our information without our consent
1: Right. Exactly. And I want to quote at the end of the article, they have this very ominous quote from Tamsin Shaw, who's a philosophy professor at NYU. They broke the I guess the revelations from uh, they broke it to Tamsin Shaw and she said it was wild. And she basically said that the whole Facebook project has only been allowed to become as like powerful as it is because of the kind of implicit and sometimes explicit support of the U.S. national security establishment. She had this quote. She said, it's a very, it's a form of very deep, but soft power that's been seen as an asset for the U.S. Russia has been so explicit about this, paying for the ads and rubles and so on. It's making this point, isn't it? That Silicon Valley is a U.S. national security asset that they've turned on itself which I thought was actually pretty brilliant. Like, think about the fact that the thing that you ostensibly need to survive the internet or Facebook or Google is also basically tapped. We all know because of Edward Snowden that that's all tapped by the government and they know all of it. So, where are you safe on the internet? Like, Signal, as we've talked about on the show, was basically created by the CIA. Like, <laughs> you're pretty screwed.
0: So, I guess the revelation isn't that our information was, I guess, susceptible to being used for targeted ads and shit. But to be hijacked for partisan purposes yeah. is, I think, pretty different. No, for sure. And... Just to broaden the conversation to other ways Facebook just gets exploited all the time is these Facebook groups, which recently Zuckerberg declared that he wants news to be a way smaller part of the platform. More private groups and like family groups will dominate the content. The problem here is It's very easy for spammers, hackers, and trolls to exploit and hijack groups to make money or sow chaos. Right. And this BuzzFeed article that is in the show notes, it details many, many instances globally and in the United States recently that show how easy it is for just heinous people to take up facebook groups and if it's suggested that this is the way to, oh if we take it away from news and then just trust like groups and people in groups on facebook to moderate themselves and you know all this fake news and damaging shit that happens um, from facebook will just go away i mean for example one of the groups in it was march for our lives 2018 official and it completely got hijacked and changed to kim jong-un fan club nice
1: yeah i do love all those wild stories of the shit that facebook will show you or suggest for you some of them including literally child abuse videos i think it's a weird situation where we're kind of fucked if they regulate and kind of fucked if they don't
0: Another thing about just bleakness of Facebook is that Facebook will inevitably have more dead people as profiles than living people as profiles at the rate that that shift is going. And this is from the BBC. This story is pretty sad. It says the numbers of the dead on Facebook are growing 30 million users with Facebook accounts. Had died by 2012. That number has gone up. Some estimates say it's 8,000 people a day. Sam, die. Facebook users uh, die. <laughs> on they Facebook. die streaming their deaths on Facebook. No,
1: <laughs> they're killed on Facebook in the comment section. Just roasted alive.
0: The Facebook growing and unstoppable digital graveyard.
1: <laughs> That's so grisly. <laughs>
0: What are we to make of Zuckerberg's political aspirations at this point?
1: My personal feeling is, like, run for your fucking life. If Zuckerberg runs, then we're all screwed. But basically, they've found that he can serve in government indefinitely without it counting as voluntary resignation. There's a TechCrunch article they quoted directly from, like, the fucking decision or whatever legal document takes precedence there and if he wanted to serve in government he could do it if he just owned 30 percent or more of the shares of the capital stock that he owned as of the date that he entered into the agreement and there's just a lot of like little loopholes for him to be able to keep being zuck and also run the government which sounds disastrous and also kind of sounds contrary to our maybe ideals about who we think should be politicians and it also has led to him doing this embarrassing thing where he wants to like meet one person in every 50 states And these horrible publicity stunts Like this video I attached of him eating just toast straight out of the toaster With no fucking butter or jam or honey or anything on there Let's play the audio yeah. Jarvis also helps me get ready in the morning Fresh shirt Fire in the horn Hell yeah Jarvis knows when to make me breakfast. Your toast is ready. All right. It's time for my call with Shrep. Can you get him on the video conference line? Setting up the VC room now. Remember to check on the AI guidance system for Aquila.
0: Jesus Christ, what a freak. I can't, I can't deal with the idea of him having political power, even though owning Facebook is a great deal of power.
1: Yeah, he can't have all that power in name and also have all that soft power we were talking about earlier or deep power. But also, I mean, Facebook has heinous lobbying or uh, operations. They've gone in on corporate tax lobbying. Famously, they paid less for corporate tax in the UK than an income, than like a a minimum wage teacher in London would pay on their income tax. They paid like $4,000 one year. And it's funny how you never cease to hear disingenuous arguments claiming that, like, it's good that Facebook doesn't have to pay taxes.
0: Yeah, there's, like, anyone outside of their company believes that they're a fucking loser. (laughs) Just walking away from money, (laughs) from, like, budgets. Oh, how bad was that, like, deleting Facebook is, like, white privilege?
1: (laughs) Oh, so this one really... So as we're going to go in, I, I think... One of the things that I think goes underreported is how Google, Facebook, and Amazon own a lot of the shit you come in contact with, even if it's not doesn't look like Google, Amazon, or Facebook, because they run so much of the back end of the internet. And specifically, there was uh, an article in Tablet Mag, and it was about how Facebook, Google, and Amazon aren't really consumer choices; they're like monopolies at a certain level. Amazon, obviously, being like a retail monopoly. Increasingly, Google being the internet monopoly and Facebook being the social media monopoly. The term monopoly is important because, with Google specifically, they operate at like tracking software on 85% of the top 1 million visited websites. And with Facebook, that number is 35%. So it just goes to show, they had a, a parable about this libertarian computer programmer fucking parent who wanted to block his son from going on YouTube, which is the ultimate libertarian move, apparently. But he, because his son uses Google Chrome, he couldn't really block YouTube through, through there. But then also, if he tried to block Google's product, it interfered with his son's ability to do his homework because his school had a deal through google to like you know create their like it infrastructure apparently and amazon does that a lot with amazon web services and it gets to the point that it's just like i don't know you can't really like avoid that so with that tweet you mentioned where like okay so the tweet says if you want to delete facebook go ahead just know that's a privilege For much of the world, Facebook is the internet and the only way to connect to family slash friends slash business. That's why it's important to have a real discussion re-Facebook's security slash privacy issues. My take on this was just... If deleting Facebook is a privilege, then you're fucking screwed. Like, if you live in this, like, technological hell world, like, where you can't do this, then that sucks, obviously. And, I mean, through internet.org, Facebook has, I think, sponsored a lot of, like, internet infrastructure building that is, like, predicated on people using fucking Facebook, which is obviously heinous and evil. But the argument in this is not like on Facebook and the the problems that we talked about the idea that like Facebook is a monopoly and you can't really turn off of Facebook that if you use the internet
0: yeah it's targeting like the user it's, it's
1: like why don't you blame the fucking
0: company for sucking ass
1: yeah it just it's it, it assumes that like it also drives a wedge between you the person who can't escape Facebook and someone who didn't have internet until Facebook put it there and really can't escape Facebook. It shows no empathy for those people. It's all just like fucking look at you, check your privilege. Like what good, I mean, I understand the motive, but in this case, I think it's just, it doesn't make any sense because deleting the argument you would use on someone who says like, Oh, everyone should delete Facebook is that even if you delete Facebook off your computer or you delete your Facebook login or whatever, it still fucking tracks you. That's the main problem. There's no reason to bring that this like privilege argument into it.
0: All right, let's move on to the pop culture corner for this week, which this movie fucking ruled. It's going to be the first in our, communist movie series (laughs) which uh, for as many weeks as we can think of we will watch a movie vaguely related to communism or in this case extremely related to communism this film was the young Karl Marx directed by Raoul Peck let's play a clip from that
3: how do you do nice to meet you Zunayla owns foundries he employs many
2: workers, including children. Child labor in factories.
4: But we've no choice.
2: Without child labor, we'd price ourselves out of the market. And where would a society without exploitation leave people like you? You would have to work too. Wouldn't that be horrible?
3: They revolt against the contre le against the et world, and I hope see vieux monde
2: There are two kinds of men, and have been forged by manual labor. I do profit from the fruits of that labor.
4: This has got to stop. It's intolerable. Count
0: yourselves lucky. I don't sack the lot of you.
3: I hate and despise gentlemen.
2: They are swine who grow fat on the sweat of laborers. We're
3: fed for the scrap heap. Is that what you're saying? You
2: heard it. Get out.
0: I just thought this movie was really fascinating because I guess you don't see a lot of kind of just standard, not to say this movie didn't have its own flourishes, but it certainly gave Karl Marx kind of the Hollywood movie treatment. It was like kind of just a your standard biopic,
1: in structure at least. Absolutely. So specifically it covers, it's called the Young Karl Marx. So Young Marx is kind of named after like a loosely defined period in his life. Work like the manuscripts of 1844 and stuff are important in that period and it also just i think raul peck in all the interviews he's been been giving he said that he wanted to do a movie and it was hard for him to do a movie about marx which is you know kind of why he did it in germany or whatever um and he wanted to just make a movie in which Karl marx and the other philosophers that he rolled with and people who he developed his ideas with were just regular people interpreting like the lives that they led And the conditions that they had to go through and kind of makes it relatable to people our age or, you know, people in today's time where you are, I mean, people are all annoyed because millennials are socialists. But, I mean, all of our foundational events are crises of fucking capitalism, you know. (laughs) Like, it hasn't worked out as well for us.
0: So the movie details the life of mid-20s. Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. Engels who had this conflict with his father, who was a kind of brutal factory owner.
1: Yeah. Engels was bourgeois and he, before meeting Marx had written um, a study about the working class in England. And the scene where the two of them meet is so adorable. They're like, he's, they're like very standoff. And then he's like in German, they're just like, I liked your work. It was very good. And the other was like, you are, you are brilliant. And, I also enjoy your work. And then they, like, go get drunk together. It was really cute.
0: It clearly showed this was a mutually, like... They both needed each other and marks and angles in this movie. I know a lot of it was borrowed from their real writings uh, stuff in the script. So you kind of get a sense that these guys, by encouraging each other and collaborating... I, I don't know, it was a very inspiring... Uh, tale of two friends you could enjoy this movie even if you're not like a socialist
1: yeah i think he worked to make it pretty approachable you get to see some of the different philosophies at play you get to spend a lot of time with pierre louis Proudhon, and you get to see like the french anarchists you get to see bakunin and you i guess kind of it demystifies the conflict at hand which is when Marx kind of what took over the international working man's working men's union with Engels and you know, turned it into a communist league and then published the Camp Communist Manifesto in 1848, which, of course, became a watershed year in terms of all the revolutions across Europe that occurred. And it just, I, I loved the aesthetic too that I hadn't really seen much in film before of just the 1840s in like radical politics, like the scene where like Proudhon and Bakunin are addressing the square and there's a diverse crowd. There's like working class people, there's like black people, there's women, and they're all just kind of like, on the same page because they're all, like, suffering under the same kind of oppressive structure that these fucking philosophers are all, like, accurately describing. I thought it was very cool.
0: I thought it also towed the line of, I guess, showing the difference between actually being working class and kind of being just, like, a starving,
1: like, philosopher. Exactly, yeah. The kind of antagonism between Marx and Engels because Engels was wealthy and, uh... Also, I mean, did you like Marx talking cash shit to, like, fucking everyone? <laughs> like, including Proudhon. Oh, well, Marx,
0: Marx, like, dropping the
1: mic about who was, like, F- Wilhelm. <laughs> Yo, Marx was talking cash shit to not only, like, Engels' Got his kicked family, out of Paris. Like, the ca- yeah, he did. And the, the capitalist's friend of Engels... Family like that factory owner. He was like, "Do you pay your workers enough?" And there, the guy was like, "No." He's like, "I gotta stay open and be competitive." And Marx was like, "Oh well, apparently you can't afford to be in business." And just like was talking cash shit to his face. And then of course like in the debates with the fucking League of Working Men just fucking talking and cash shit to Proudhon, the most prominent anarchist philosophers like in the group. Just this guy comes out of nowhere and everyone's like, Holy fuck like who is this guy? And all like uh, I guess all of Marx's biographers had said that he's, you know, boisterous and I don't know. Very interesting film. I loved it. I
0: really enjoy sometimes these biopics where it doesn't even show you when they got successful. It's just all
1: before. Yeah, it's all about how he formed his ideas and like what the circumstances that were formational for him.
0: And I think by humanizing these guys, Raul Peck did an immense thing. You can't underscore enough how valuable it is to have a mass pop culture document of someone as important as Marx.
1: Yeah, someone who's importance is also kind of weirdly suppressed and understated i feel like you can't see a Marx, a description of Marx anywhere without being like and then communism like and then the soviet union happened (laughs) like to not
0: tie him to all of the shitty things that happened in his name
1: yeah i fucking like i that was something that was really nice because one of the things i was joking about the whole time i was watching the movie was like can't wait for Marx to just like whisper to Engels like so there'll be this thing called the great leap forward everyone will be making steel in their backyard furnaces and then they'll have insane grain quotas and you know it's uh, it's all down in the communist manifesto it's all just written down to a t
0: oh shout out Vicky Kripes who played Marx's wife Jenny
1: she Mm -hmm. was
0: Daniel Day Lewis's bow in phantom thread
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's a great actress, and um, I this also goes to sh- like I said earlier, it, like shows the role of women in this movement, and like Marx and Engels are very kind of involved with their wives. Engels' wife being Lizzie Burns, uh, who was a working class Irish woman who he basically met and was like just you know you know in love with, and it's it's cool how they showed a just kind of humanist like realistic depiction of what those characters would have gone through as like. Just young people and young families and like the tumultuous times that they lived in.
0: So that's The Young Karl Marx. Next week, we will be talking about The Death of Stalin by Armando Iannucci, starring Steve Buscemi. And I haven't seen it yet, and Sam has. I'm super pumped.
1: Yeah, it's really awesome. I saw it at the uh, East Street Cinema in DC, and it was a brilliant film, and I think it's going to be a good sequel to our discussion on young marks and a good installment in our three-part you know movies of communism series so
0: up next in the pop culture corner we have oj simpson telling the buffalo news now i know oj technically isn't on a project right now but his existence is pop culture lore (laughs) yeah baby i think colin referring to colin kaepernick Made a mistake, Simpson told the Buffalo News. I really appreciate what he was trying to say. I thought he made a bad choice in attacking the flag. <laughs> ah, back on
1: his respectability politics bullshit.
0: The flag shouldn't be disrespected because of what cops do. The flag represents what we want America
1: to be. No, it's what he wants America to be. This kind of reminds me of, like, how in, uh, you know, in O.J. Made in America, they talked a lot about how he, like, Bought into just being, like, a wealthy dude in fucking, you know, what Brentwood in Los Angeles and forgetting about, I guess, like, the, I don't know, inequalities that you would have had to witness growing up working class during that time period.
0: I mean, I don't know how you could analyze his story now and not think that he completely co-opted whatever fervor there was going on between, like, black people and the police and even though he played no role in that himself, he took that and used it to get off for literally nearly beheading his wife.
1: Right, let's like also maybe contextualize this. O- OJ is mad at Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick is protesting the fact that police disproportionately kill black men on the street oj's whole argument was like oh i didn't kill my wife despite all this fucking obvious evidence the police were racist and fucking convicted me like like i don't know but don't bring the flag into it let's play a clip from
0: oj's unearthed if i did it interview uh
4: this guy charlie shows up the guy we i recently become friends with and I don't know why you had been by Nicole's house, but it told me you wouldn't believe what's going on over there. I'm thinking, well, whatever's going over there has got to stop. And hypothetical, I put on <laughs> cap and gloves. Right. Yeah. You reached under the seat for... Um, a knife, but I believe he took it. Charlie took the knife? Yeah. You go through the back gate? Yes. And uh, while I was there, a guy shows up. In the mood I was in, I started having words with him. Nicole had come out and we started having words as things got heated uh i just remember the coal fell and hurt herself and uh this guy kind of got into a karate thing and i said well you think you can kick my ass and i remember i grabbed a knife i do remember that portion taking the knife from charlie and to be honest after that i don't remember except i'm standing there and there's all kind of stuff around and um
0: um, what kind of stuff?
4: Button and stuff around. You know, we, you know, I hate to say this but this time, right, but okay. right.
0: So I think everybody knows he fucking did it. And let's close out the pop culture corner with UVA. And Sam,
1: this was your story as a Virginia man. <laughs> Yeah, I know this is the only time you're ever going to hear me spearhead a sports story. But, I mean, I'm sure, like, most people know what I'm talking about. Uh, Like, I'm new to this whole thing, actually. So, the University of Maryland-Baltimore was the number 16 seed in (laughs) in the lineup, the tournament. that they do yeah Yeah, the march madness Madness tournament that thing you guys all make brackets and shit um anyway so when you're the number 16 seed you start out march madness by playing the number one seed the number one seed is the best team so if you're the number i think everybody gets that kind of fucked (laughs) but the university of maryland baltimore beat the number one seed which is the university of virginia and everyone thought they were going to win but UMBC won, even though they're like their logos kind of watch. It looks like a high school football team logo. <laughs> they're definitely true, like underdogs. <laughs> but anyway, it uh, apparently it was the first time this has ever happened in the like 136 years they've been doing this or whatever. And they lost like UVA lost by 20 points, 74 to 54. And honestly, like all people I work with and interact with went to UVA. So seeing them upset about it is like pretty heartening. I love it.
0: Nice. Well, it's story time and Sam's gonna talk about a well, why don't you take it away? This is an aquatic story.
1: (laughs) You could say that. I like to give Dan his little heads up on uh stories that I'm pretty sure he hasn't heard of, so that he has like a very natural reaction to these. So in I used to live in New Orleans And I adopted a dog, which is the dog I currently have. Her name is Sally. She's a perfect little chocolate lab. And I had, the the person I adopted Sally from is my girlfriend's old boss. And so this lady came to visit my dog, Sally, and me and my my girlfriend at at my apartment, which was near Bayou St. John, which is st john's like a an, it's a canal that has been kind of repurposed as a more natural space people let their dogs swim there and the water's gotten a lot cleaner and uh people do a lot of kayaking it's a it's a nice place you can still see some wildlife but i would let sally swim in there all the time as most of the dog owners in that area would do and anyway when the person who i adopted sally from showed up in my apartment Sally was, is a wild puppy she was like a year old at that time and she just sprinted out of the gate and just I lived like right next to this body of water so she jumped right in and it was fine obviously like I said I let her swim in there all the time but it, she's, she was a crazy puppy at the time and she would just chase like birds under the fucking bridges and stuff and so I was trying to get her to come back over and she caught the attention of this guy who was on a paddle board and I had seen him before so a paddle board Dan, what do you have in mind when I say paddle board?
0: Is it kind of like an adult boogie board?
1: <laughs> yeah, but you like you can sort of stand on it or kneel oh, on right. it. You like,
0: yeah, yeah, you like ride it on the beach. You like you like ride the sand with like no wheels.
1: No 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 no, no. no I'm talking about like you have like a kayak paddle and you just paddle yourself. You ever seen, like, a guy, like, they stand up, they have, like, an oar? Right, I know, like, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, a river culture thing. Anyway, yeah, like, the water's very still on the bayou, like I said. Anyway, this, so he's on this paddleboard, and he's kneeling, and he has this dog on there, and his dog has a life vest, and is <laughs> important, because I only noticed this guy, because he was screaming. I hear this guy screaming, like, there's a dog in the water! <laughs> and I, am I didn't quite see where he was, and I was like, maybe he's talking about another dog. I thought he was talking dog about a kid. In
3: the water!
1: He was, yeah, he was freaking out, and I thought maybe there was a kid or something that had fallen in the water, or maybe there's like an alligator in the water because that's not like a, that uncommon. And I thought there was like an actual danger, so I, like, I'm like looking around frantically. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And I see this guy, and he's like, there's a dog in the water. This fucker trying to drown his dog, and I was like what the fuck is this guy? like, is he talking about me? So he's my Sally at this point, my dog is like doing just dumb dog So sur- she's a really good swimmer. She does like really dumb dog circles. And then like was chasing these birds. The bird would like fly from one end of this like tiny bridge to the other. And like this body of water I'm describing is puny. It's like a tiny Creek. I, this guy's freaking the fuck out. And he's like, like she swims in there for like, Hours at a time. She is. She's inexhaustible. And this guy is assuming that I was trying to drown her. I guess by just letting her go in the water.
0: <laughs> Imagine if you just
1: drown.
0: This man's drowning this dog.
1: Help! Wouldn't, I, wouldn't I be trying a little harder? Like, damn. She's just swimming around happily. And I tie a cinder
0: block to a foot and drop it in the pond. <laughs> oh. My God. Now, what happened once you realized it was your dog that he was referring to? Did you placate
1: him, or were you unable to because of where you were standing? So I'm standing by, like, the bank of this body of water, and like I said, it's basically like a small river. You can Google pictures of it. I don't know. And the I'm, like, right there. The guy's maybe, like, 15 feet away from me, 10, 15 feet away close and sally is also like my dog is like 10 to 15 feet away and just slightly in a different direction i'm standing by the side of the water i was about to go out to dinner with the lady who I adopted sally from and my girlfriend so i'm like <laughs> i'm like in nice clothing and i'm just like in this muddy like ditch basically <laughs> and i'm like come here sally i have like treats and shit <laughs> like do you ever like lost your you had a dog right you like you've ever lost your dog and had to like be like come here buddy like come back buddy yeah you gotta coax but she's like she's in her own world just like looking for these birds and this guy is perse- he's so he says it the second time like this is a dog drowning in the water i was like uh, so i'm like all right dude i'm like that's my dog i'm like right there so <laughs> so i'm like dude there's that's my dog it's fine like she swims all the time she's a good swimmer and i'm right here And the guy was like, well, are you going to get in the water and get her? And I was like, pfft. (laughs) Like, you just escalated. I was like, motherfucker, like, I'm in, like, my nice clothing right now. I'm not jumping in this muddy water. I think
0: he just wanted you to strip (laughs) so he could see your genitalia and maybe the dog would be saved in the process. (laughs) Yeah, he
1: wants me to have, like, my Baywatch moment. But... Mm -hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) once I realized that, I obviously, like, I started cracking the fuck up. Because <laughs> I was like, this guy's going nuts right now. I was kind of relieved, I guess, because there was no danger at hand. The guy was just going nuts. I had previously thought that maybe a kid was drowning. <laughs> but I was like, dude, like, it's fine. Like, she just swims around. He's like, you are one sick motherfucker. Like, he said that <laughs> verbatim to me. He's like, you get this fucking water. I was like, <laughs> party was like, he going to pull a gun on me or something right now. It kind of, it was very obtuse. And he... Eventually, his dog, which was wearing a life jacket, like I said before, because he's terrified apparently of like dogs drowning. <laughs> his dog is the same breed as my dog <laughs> I was like, they're buoyant dog like there are some dogs that legitimately can't swim, but like not labs, they love it <laughs> either way. So the, his dog's like swimming around and as soon as his dog jumped in, he goes like, "This' is the most cartoonish shit." he goes like, "No." <laughs> I had seen him, like, every day before that day. And I'd been... Like, I used to kayak there all the time. So I'd been like, hey, man, you know, water... I wanted to be, like, bros with the guy a little bit. I was like, hey, man, we're water sports boys. You got a cool dog that rides on your paddleboard. But my first interaction with him was, like, towards the edge of the time I was, like, living there. And he just went fucking ballistic on me. I was blown oh! away. <laughs> he was shouting at me about a dog. And we... Eventually, of course, like, my dog came back and I put the leash on her and I, like, brought her back. I was like, thanks for just, like, getting me in trouble with that guy. Luckily, the lady I adopted him, her from was pretty chill about it. She said, that man is mentally disturbed. I may have been, like, kind of goading him on because I was laughing my ass off. Maybe it, like, played into his, my vision of me because as he was like, you're drowning your dog, you're a sick motherfucker. I was laughing hysterically. I was like, are you serious? And- i think he must have did he i don't know if he genuinely thought i was trying to drown my dog he did say he he was gonna call the cops but i was like jokes on you it takes like an hour for the cops to show up in new orleans if you called the cops and the nopd and you were like hey buddy um uh, there's a guy his dog is in the bayou it's swimming he's clearly trying to drown it they would laugh at you and not show the fuck up <laughs> like, it was just a bizarre experience a little slice of life Well, that's the plunge for this week.
0: Have a pleasant day or night. And you can follow me on Twitter at Spaventacular, S-P-A-V-E-N-T-A-C-U-L-A-R.
1: And you can follow me at W-A-G-S-T-A-N-K.
0: Fuck Donald Trump Jr., fuck Mark Zuckerberg, and fuck the rabid paddleboarder.
1: (sighs) I hope he's eating enough. <laughs> we
3: in the car, we ride slow, we doing things that the girls don't do, the boys sing, we smile back, I'll all make my girls start. in the rainbow <laughs> Cadillac, yeah, Show stopping at the left. Keep it.